welcome to Pints and Politics, the September 19th, uh, 2019 edition. Pints and Politics is a bi-weekly discussion program of all things political, coming to you through the facilities of Trent Radio CFFF in Peterborough, Ontario, 92.7 on your dial. My name is Bill Templeman. This is our second show of the fall season. We'll be on every second Thursday at 7 until December 12th. At the end of the program, I'll give out our podcast site and social media addresses. Joining me tonight in the studio is our politics panel. First of all, we have property manager and businesswoman Jenny Lancio, editor, writer, and podcaster Donald Fraser. We were going to have Sylvia Sutherland, but she's away on holiday. Then, fortunately, the uh, current chief of uh, Curve Lake First Nation, Emily Watung McInnes, stepped up, but she became ill. Lauren Hunter is away on campaign management duties. But we do have a Curve Lake First Nation councillor and Ontario NDP Indigenous Peoples Committee Chair, Sean Conway. And we have playwright and math teacher, Tim Etherington. Now, it occurred to me, Donald, that usually I say from the wilds of East City. But now I have to say country squire from Orange Corners or Orange Trestle. <laughs> Yeah, you have coyotes. I'll, I'll, I'll be bringing in all the juicy gossip from the from the wilds of Orange Corner. Orange Corner. All right. Of Kortha, Albert, and uh, Brock. Right um, now, uh, for this evening, uh, of course, I my uh, my habit is to write up sort of a program plan with talking points and send it out to panelists uh, the weekend before, and I did that this this time. Uh, then, of course, the proverbial hit the fan and it was it yesterday and of course now all my discussion topics are uh, will be replaced so uh, of course we're going to talk about the federal election and all the recent goings on in Peterborough and nationally but the issue of homelessness always gets bumped for other matters and I really would like to just tie up to the extent we can, uh, the events uh, surrounding Tent City and the eviction of the campers from Tent, tent City, uh, and, and just put a bow on that uh, as best we can. Now, I, I get it that uh, downtown they were dealing much more with much more than a, rowd, a crowd of rowdy Sunday school picnickers. I, I understand their uh, local residents were harassed. Businesses were experiencing downturns, and uh, there's some vandalism. Police were around a lot. I get all that, but surely they deserve our compassion. Now, the campers were evicted uh, several weeks ago. Now they're set up on the uh, the back lawn of Emanuel United Church, right across from the police station, Kitty Corners across the intersection. Uh, the evenings are getting cooler. What's going to happen? Who knows? My question for you, uh, for the panel, is uh, did our, I'm doing air quotes here, progressive council and uh, meritarian take a political hit on the handling of this. John's going in. Oh, I think I think first of all the the most important thing to look about this, it's not an ideal situation from any any standpoint, but I think something 
that we can do in looking back on this chapter of the year. I, I really don't know what the city could have done otherwise. And I think that given a horrible hand in a horrible situation outside of uh, the city's control, they did okay. Mm-hmm. Does the city take hit? For sure. You know, mm-hmm. I think I think anybody can read the writing on the wall that, that a lot of citizens in Peterborough were not happy about what went on. But that, I think, is a failure of not only the province stepping up, but also the the trend in uh, relegating social services to municipalities. Tim, and and it's an even larger problem than that. I, I agree with you, Sean. I, you know, it's a terrible situation. I, I appreciate the city council dealt with it. The, the first uh, instinct was compassion. You know, providing water and, and sanitary services. How you solve the problem is much larger than any city council or any provincial government. I mean, we are seeing this all through Western democracies. We're entering a new Gilded Age right now where income disparities are growing. That gulf is growing so large. We're having an increasing uh, number of people living as a permanent underclass. And, you know, we have to really address this on a a much more macro level than just dealing with a tent city, uh, which is not to dismiss the concerns of the tent city. I I've really been thinking about this a lot over the last week. I was speaking to a friend of mine from Toronto, a very, very old friend, an educated person, trained in the trades. Um, and we got talking about various things. He gave me a call on the phone and then confessed to me that he was living in, in a park. He was living in a tent in High Park. Uh, he's got a full-time job, but it doesn't pay a lot. And uh, he couldn't afford the Toronto rents. And, hmm. you know, I said, well, what are you going to do in the winter? And he goes, well, I'll figure it out, right? Right. Um, and I'm not really sure. And it's been haunting me ever since. Um, this is a person who is clean living, who doesn't do drugs, who doesn't smoke, uh, just can't afford a place to live in Toronto. Uh, and so he lives yeah. in a tent now. Now, one of the things that I found appalling was the reaction on, on Facebook. And these aren't bots in Utah or Kazakhstan or, or Indonesia. The, the, these are people we know. Uh, people who live here in Peterborough and they were saying things like get the trash out of the park and then we can clean up the garbage in other words the trash was the human beings and I said really sure I think what happened as people's frustration grew and whether it was with city council or with the situation Mm -hmm. at hand was that the people that were living in the park unfortunately became an easy target and instead of practicing you know you attack the problem not the people the people were the easy target. And it, they're, they're still people, they're still human beings, but I will agree that some of the behavior was an appropriate behavior, oh. and that's what needed to be addressed, was not the people, it was some of the behavior that was being exhibited. And that was by people on Facebook making snide, snarky comments, and by some of the behavior of people living in the park. Nobody behaved very well. Right. Uh, I think this is going to be a theme I, I return to, I think, a couple of times throughout the uh, throughout the evening tonight. Uh, and, and Tim used the word compassion um, and and also understanding. Um, we we're, we're great on the hot take, uh, but we're and, and everyone loves the hot take. Everyone wants to jump in there and and, and have their two cents put in. Uh, and sometimes what they're reacting to uh, is not actually 
the the problem that's at hand. Uh, so there was a massive reaction to the behavior happening uh, in tent city, which which was problematic. Uh, but what wasn't being addressed were the major issues that need to be addressed by our entire community. If we want to prevent tent city in 2020. 2021, 2030. Uh, we have to address some of those, some of the issues that uh, are are popping up around uh, affordable housing. And I'm not talking about affordable housing in finding um, uh, socially assisted housing. I'm, I'm talking about the fact that people can't afford to live. Uh, that we have a less than one percent um, vacancy rate for apartments. That the new builds that are happening in Peterborough are not aimed at people who are having problems finding homes in Peterborough, that uh, a good segment of our population is one paycheck away from being homeless. And the fact that uh, addiction is rampant. Uh, When you look at things like opioid abuse, oftentimes those addictions are are not people who are are, are doing it out of partying, but there are people who are, you know, living in poverty, who have an illness or something, who've been prescribed opioids. Uh, Next thing you know, they're, they're their, their prescription runs out. They're 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 SOL. Um, yeah. They have addiction issues and and they have no money. And there's all these recipes for disaster. Uh, it, we're looking at uh, it, it's it's the the end days of, of, of capitalism that is rearing its head. And uh, there are a, a myriad issues that we need to address at the municipal, provincial, and and federal level. And by the sounds of Facebook, we don't want to address those issues. We want to address. Tent City. Sure, Sean. I think I think it's all well and good for us in a you know a, a cozy room to uh, prescribe action that would uh, lead us out of any sort of situation in this. And we've been we've been guilty of this uh, a number of times on this panel. And it's something I'm I'm really trying not to do is we're not experiencing living rough in Peterborough. We're not living that. Yeah. We're not at that level. I lived rough a little bit when I was younger, but not to that point. And so I can say whatever, but at the end of the day, nothing we can say is really going to give us the same perspective of somebody who's experiencing extreme poverty in a city like Peterborough. And whether or not it's behavior, whether or not it's circumstance or addictions, really, who are we to prescribe something for something we do not know? Exactly. Sure. Jenny. I just want to kind of follow up with what you were saying about building affordable housing. Mm. And I feel like I have to kind of defend the developers and the tradespeople because I think they kind of get a bad rap. It's not that we don't want to build affordable housing. When we go to the lumber yard and buy lumber, there isn't a price for affordable housing lumber <laughs> and a price for luxury home lumber. Right. The price is the price is the price. City Hall is not giving us a break on development fees. We're not getting a break. Like our skilled tradespeople are exactly that skilled and deserve to be remunerated accordingly. So in order to build housing that is affordable for people, the developers have to be given an incentive to do so. And it's just not happening now. Incentive has to happen. Um, You know, I just moved, we, we just talked about the fact that I've left East City, but uh, when it comes to the arguments about what, what's happening in East City, I, I will never leave. And we have a series of developments that are lined up for East City, uh, in, uh, specifically on top of Armour Hill, uh, where you have uh, a condo complex that's going in uh, that is aimed at between $400,000 and a million of pop. 
that's massive. Uh, you have right beside it apartment complex where um, they they say it's going to be market rents, um, but the market is can't support the uh, the people who are who are really needing that. We have uh, across the river a subdivision that's being built again aimed at people who aren't in Peterborough and who aren't currently looking for housing. Uh, so there we have just a, a small little microcosm of what's being built in Peterborough. You can go down the hill onto, onto Hunter Street and uh, there'll be uh, two more condo complexes popping up uh, along the trail. This isn't just we, we can't afford to build houses for people to afford to live there. This is we are actually targeting uh, people who can afford much more expensive ways to live. And, and right. sorry, sure, go ahead, Tim. You're, you're correcting that, Donald. I, mean, I don't think that we can treat the symptoms and solve the problem that way. You know, we can build affordable housing, and that's, we, we should. You know, the, the, the mid-20th century attempts to build affordable housing largely turned into vertical ghettos. You know, mm-hmm. you think about Regent Park and places like that in Toronto, and they were built with very idealistic utopian ideals, so that model didn't work. Uh, we're also facing structural changes in our work economy right now that we're really not wrapping our heads around. You know, we, 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 we sort of digested the movement away from uh, manufacturing into a service economy. The service economy is rapidly disappearing with automation. Mm. Um, and they're really, we're running out of jobs while our society gets wealthier and wealthier. Um, you know, we need to look at more innovative solutions. We did have a pilot project with the previous provincial government on a guaranteed basic income. And I think we really have to start looking at that. We do need to build more affordable rental units. But if all we do is just build large affordable rental units, you know, geared to low income, I don't know if that solves all the problem. We really have to give people the means to afford their own apartments. Absolutely. Um, the... the the things that I talked about before, the fact that so many people are one paycheck away from, from living rough, as, as Sean calls it, um, this is, this is hugely problematic because we're projecting a growth of something like 40,000 people in the next 20 years. Our game plan seems to be for us to be a bedroom community. And so if, if, we're, if we're going down that road and, and we're, we're trying to build things for people to come – and, and we're not building things for people who are here at the same time, uh, then we're going to have some, some huge problems. We'll have problems with the downtown core because people won't be living there. If you, if you, if you have a crumbling core, you have a crumbling community, period. We, we know this. Urban planners know this. And right now, we are, we are building in a way that is pulling people, uh, p- pulling money away from the core and affordable housing away from the core, uh, and and pushing it out to the Peterborough burbs, if you want to call them. And, yeah, there's uh, there, there, there are issues in that we're not building for Peterboroughians. There's another school of thought about the idea of housing and the domino fact, effect that new housing and new builds create. Yes, I agree that not everyone's going to be able to afford a $400,000-plus home, but the people that are are currently living in places that are they're underhoused because there's no place else for them to go either. So the other theory is that if you build other places, everyone's going to kind of, I don't want to say move up the ladder, but they're going to move up the ladder into other forms of housing, which is going to free up lower rent spaces Absolute, for people. Absolutely. You know, so much of the times that we talk about housing, we focus on... We focus on, oh, there's this big bad development coming in. There's this, there's that. We need to be able to have 
all manners of housing. And that's not to say that I still at my core don't believe that billionaires are immoral, which I do. <laughs> but there has to be that range of housing option. And, um, and, and we have to be able to think about the needs of people. Well, if, if all people can afford are, are geared to income affordable housing, we got a serious problem with our society. That, that's the root of it. I guess the one thing that, that I'm worried about is looking at the projection of 40,000 uh, or 20,000 more people um, in the next couple of 20 to 40,000 people in the next uh, 20 years is that the builds are happening for those people that we are trying to attract. And, and that's, a, that's a completely different situation than a trickle up. Well, I think I think you can't count out uh, the impact of universities with no ad- admissions cap, yeah. which has <laughs> devastated the housing market, mm-hmm. and it's directly the fault of Trent University and Fleming College. Mm-hmm. Trini, I think another aspect of housing that nobody ever seems to talk about and is a huge problem in this community is. I work with the seniors demographic. Mm. It is a three to five year wait for seniors to get into long-term care in the city. So they are staying in their homes, those retirement Mm. homes that then can be flipped back to starter homes for people way longer than they should be. So we're not even getting that inventory back into the market. I don't know why nobody's looking at the fact that we also need more long-term care facilities and not $5,000 a month long-term care facilities, subsidized long-term care facilities. Beds. If someone wants to correct me out in the internet that's listening in right now or on your radio, I believe the wait list for long-term care in Peterborough is just under 1,800 people. Yep. At least. Uh, yeah. At least. At least. Now, uh, as a result of this uh, whole uh, debacle over uh, homelessness that was made so obvious to us in the summer of the Tent City, I did attend... Uh, on September 11th, uh, the uh, the release of the United Way's housing report, Jim Russell and Paul Armstrong, the author of the report, they released it, and uh, you can download it from the United Way uh, website. The contents are grim. Rents have climbed over 7% in uh, so far in 2019. The average number of people staying in shelters increased by over 30% per night the last calendar year, with a minimum wage of $14 an hour, an affordable rent... That is about thirty percent of income would be six hundred eighty-two fifty or six hundred eighty-two dollars for a bachelor apartment. In October of two thousand eighteen, the average rent for a bachelor apartment in Peterborough was seven uh, seven hundred and thirty-four dollars. So that's already sixty odd dollars above affordable. Peterborough has the highest percentage in Canada of renters paying unaffordable rents. That is rent over thirty percent of their incomes. What are the solutions? What can our city council do? Or does the solution lie, as we, we've heard in this discussion, increased provincial federal funding? Huge issue. This, uh, to talk about this in 15, 20 minutes is just to scratch the surface. Should we, in the interest of time, open the can of worms that's called federal election? <laughs> Tim was really looking forward to that tonight. Tim Tim, Tim Tim was was super pumped about that. Revving. So uh, 
As I said, uh, I, I write my scripts the, a few days before, and then uh, I was offline for five hours at work yesterday, came home, logged in, and uh, lo and behold, on Twitter, I had 21 notifications. This has never <laughs> happened before. And then I saw, Donald, your tweet, where you listed the major goings-on, uh, Trudeau on blackface, uh, um, the the scuffle in front of uh, Mike Skinner's office, and then you made reference to uh, Brock Grills, which I, I knew about before uh, all this. Who wants to start, and where should we start? Well, let's address the elephant in the room. All right. Let's, so it doesn't take Wait, over. you got dressed up as an elephant, too? <laughs> yes, I am. A very, very fetching elephant for those who can't see on the radio. Uh we might as well address, you know, the the bombshell with with Trudeau because it's it's lingering out there, and I, I don't know why I just launched in to start with it to lead off because here's all here's all I'll say, and I'll let everyone else go in on this. Um, the reason why I'm so unenthusiastic to talk about this or really anything about this election is I, I, I absolutely love elections. And, and those who know me for a long time know ever since I'm a little child, I, I follow elections and leadership conventions. It's my one of my favorite spectator sports. Um, they're not as much fun as they used to be. Uh, and it's because, you know, as I said in past programs, the, the currency of politics today is outrage. That's all we really deal in anymore. And that has become political strategy. How do you get people outraged to either not vote or to vote against something? Um, so when a very difficult issue like racism enters a campaign, the, the, the converse, we're not, the conversation isn't set up to actually have a proper conversation mm -hmm. about it. We, we always look for a binary. So when it comes to an issue of racism, we want someone to be either racist or not racist. It has to be that. And in this latest episode with the prime minister represents beyond, and I'm sure we'll get to it, the incredibly stupid politics of it and why they didn't get ahead of it. It says a lot about assumptions that we've made about how deeply woven into the fabric of generally people who on the surface and in their behavior generally don't behave in a racist way, how deeply embedded some of those racist assumptions and ignorances are. And, you know, we have an opportunity with this, I think, to actually have a very healthy conversation. It's not going to happen. No. You know, as I said before the show, there's only one person who's distinguished himself in the last 24 hours, and that's Sin, who has yes. actually said something that wasn't about trying to gain political advantage. It was to speak about how these things happen on a personal level. I would, I, I pray and I plead with all political leaders and pundits to try to have the conversation there because it actually could be a very helpful conversation. Do I think it's going to happen? No. Well, yeah, it's, uh, it's definitely an interesting Thing to look at and to mm -hmm. reflect as, uh, to reflect on. Uh, so I watched all the reactions yesterday, and um, it, it's it's a bit. You know, I, I have a pretty thick skin when it comes to politics, and I have a pretty thick skin when it comes to my life. But there's something very inspiring about and and very hopeful in watching another person of color describe yes. exactly what I went through, mm. what my friends went through, what uh, people I know went through. And and for Jagmeet to focus on the pain and hurt that's associated with this kind of behavior is 
the only response that you can have. Andrew Scheer is going to go for political points. Justin Trudeau wants to save his hide. But really, you know, I go back to a couple of months ago, we're talking about the Prime Minister, Justin Trudeau, at a, you know, probably a Laurier Club function, and a Grassy Narrows protester demanding that they honor their agreement to treat the goddamn water in Grassy Narrows, and him saying, thank you for your donation. Yeah. It's the same level of just insidious and horrible behavior that just mm. bubbles under the surface of most white liberal Canadians. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, looking back on this, and and we look back, we look back at this through two thousand and one eyes, not through two thousand and nineteen eyes, and and we take a look at the actions of Justin Trudeau. Um, do I think that Justin Trudeau was was acting out of malice or hate? I absolutely do not. Uh, do I think what? Do I think that his behavior was racist? I think absolutely it is racist. The problem is, and this has been kind of hinted at, is the fact that there is inherent racism in our culture, in our society, uh, that we've been blind to forever. And, and in 2019, we, we think that we're somehow woke. And just, that... just because somebody is not, just because somebody is not intentionally, absolutely, mal, uh, be, you know, showing malice or, or hate does not make them not malicious and hateful. In this situation, I think he was, he was pretty dumb, and I think that the, there was a huge, huge, massive error in, in judgment. Um, and and I, I'm coming right out and saying that it was racist and is racist and is completely and totally unacceptable. But at the same time, as a guy who uh, grew up going to a high school that was pretty much all white, that was uh, fairly affluent, I could I could see something like that happening at our high school and people looking around and not thinking that this was something terrible to happen. Um, and, and in that light, you know, there, there was, there's an acceptance there. There's a cultural acceptance, which is wrong. It is absolutely wrong. But I understand how that, how that happens. What happens to happen right now is for us as a society to own this and to say, you know what, there is a, there is racism inherent in our society. It's so ingrained in our society that we don't even know when we're being racist. And, and this is hugely problematic. Unfortunately, the response to what has been happening, what I've seen online from from a, a lot of uh, folks who proclaim themselves to be liberal, is a whitewashing of this, saying, yes. well, it was 2001, you know, it was a different time. And, well, yeah, it, it was 2001, and yeah, it was a different time, but blackface is blackface, and you just can't do it. Um, so we've got to own up. Uh, I think this, is a, this should be a massive learning moment for yeah, our culture. <laughs> Uh, that, in fact, the, the, the racism inherent in our society is there. A lot of people aren't willing to admit that. You know, we're just approaching the... We're about to approach the 40th anniversary of Pierre Elliott Trudeau's white paper. Yeah. That's 40 years, Donald. Yes. <laughs> it, it is. And, and unfortunately, no matter how we dance around the issue, we can't... We can't change the mindset of individuals who think that they're woke and who think that they aren't racist when that racism is so inherent in our society. Uh, this should be a moment where we where we stop and reflect and say, wait a second, 
what what if my actions have been really really off color? What if what if my actions have really been wrong? Let's say the Me Too movement and those Me Too moments opened up a lot of eyes for for men who went, "Holy crap! You know what? I'm an asshole." Mm-hmm. And I think that across the white culture, let's take back the night tonight. Yeah, let's do it. Uh, yeah. And but yeah, I, I think that this has to be a Me Too moment for for white Canadians to go. Wait a second. How do we address the racism that is inherent here? And it's not by saying. Oh, it was 2001. Okay. Jenny? I think what I find equally, if not more offensive than the whole Justin Trudeau nonsense is the white middle class Canadians, of which I am a part of that party, trying to defend the behavior. Yes. There is no defense for it. Own your shit. It was a bad decision. Yes. And that's all the conversation that a white middle class Canadian should be having about it. Unless you have been on the receiving end of racism, keep your eyes on your own paper and keep your mouth shut. Yeah. Because I don't really feel that you are entitled to have much of an opinion about it. There were were posts today on Twitter and it was very, I thought, very clarifying that uh, people were saying, look, first of all, we should stop the debate. And exactly what you said, we should listen to people. People who are marginalized in the society, what what is their response? Because that's the response that matters. What and of course a number of, of uh, black uh, figures in, in public life and and Asian people have spoken out. But uh, I agree with Tim. I mean, Jagmeet Singh was a, a shining star in the midst of all this political gamesmanship. But an hour before I came in here, I read uh, Mary Monsef's. Uh, statement on this oh, and who obviously is in a you know funny position as a liberal and and you know adopted the liberal party line of saying you know i can't obviously i condemn this and i don't use the word condemn but this is not the person i know right. i think we have to accept that's possible without letting trudeau off the hook but it was also something interesting that happened because she said and from a very genuine place i know exactly what it's like to face this kind of thing. I know what it's like to be told to go back to your country and be told to shut up. And then the after her statement was published on Twitter, there were people saying, Yeah, go back to Iran. And yes. she was and the same people I went and I followed through. I said, Okay, who are these people? And they're the same people saying that racist prime minister should be thrown out. And by the way, Mary Monsef, you should go back to Iran. Yeah. And so this is where I say this this gets impoverished. You know, Sean, recently you were speaking directly from the heart, and you've experienced this more than any of us at this table have. And so this is the kind of conversation we need to have. I just wanted to add that, you know, I like all of us, and I love your example, uh, Donald, of the, the Me Too, and how it made you reflect on past behavior and think, well, you know, I didn't, I never assaulted someone, but yeah, I did some of that stuff. I did some of the things when I think about it now that, that I, I cringe at. And so it can be instructive. It doesn't excuse the behavior. But... I think back to Montreal at that time. I'm about five or six years older than Trudeau. Um, and he was living in 24 Sussex Drive most of the time I lived in, 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 in Montreal. But we did live in the same neighborhood. Now, I went to the public school because my parents believe in public school. And it was the most racially diverse school and probably high school in, in, in Quebec at the time. But I had a lot of friends who went to private schools. Now, English Protestant private schools like Selwyn House. Mm-hmm. But that kind of easy casual racism which didn't seem like it at the time is very embarrassing to admit i knew there was something wrong with blackface i would never would have dressed up in blackface i'm not going to say i wouldn't have laughed at it when i was 15 and i don't i feel very uncomfortable admitting that right Um, but we have to take stock of it just like you said in terms of the me too made us take take stock of stuff i think you touched on some important things there tim uh uh, i think it's important that our thoughts actually be with mariam monsef through this this is a very difficult thing 
thing as a as a, a person of color, as a racialized person who's seeking public office, and to have this behemoth of horrible, horrible stuff happening. That's nobody needs to see that again. Yeah. And of course, there uh, on the other side of the political equation, there is so much holier than thou from people on the quote-unquote progressive side pointing at the conservatives saying, well, Andrew Scheer, uh, if it's inexcusable for... for they can Dr. both Cooper. be horrible. Yeah, yeah it's, it's, exactly. This, exactly. Is, this is not a race to the bottom here. Yeah, yeah. And, 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 and that's, and that's yeah. the dialogue that leads nowhere. If, if, we, if we've gotten to the point where we're pointing fingers and saying, your leader is more racist than my leader, and, yeah, we're, and using we're that as an excuse to, to rally behind, uh, we, we are a broken, broken society. I, I'd like to do a direct quote of a speech I gave during the 2018 election. Please, Sean. Please. For the last 15 years, we've gone back and forth between liberal and conservative governments. Right. And has your life gotten any better? Well, it doesn't have to be that way. You don't have to choose between bad or worse. Yeah, right. Right. But, but then, okay, here's the thing. So if that's the case, we play it out. So do we vote against Mary Monsef and elect a white person in Peterborough to address the racism of the political leader of the Liberal Party? Like, I thought we were <laughs> shifting gears into the policy. <laughs> well, right, right. There we right. go. <laughs> well, I know. So I'm just saying this is, where, this is where it dissolves, right, at this point. Well, it's allowed to be a garbage situation, and we're allowed to not have a real opinion on anything. We're I agree. But here's the thing. <laughs> I agree. But here's the thing that's, that, that we also have to address. And this is by no means an excuse is that there's no doubt that with a lot of flaws – and and caveats, the current federal liberal government has done more progressive things on race than the previous government. That doesn't make it fine. And there may be a better alternative out there. No doubt about it. But we get into these situations. It's not a binary choice. Jenny. But that's like giving an apology and saying, I'm sorry, but. Like the but erases everything that came Does before it. Well, if you're an arse, you're an art. Like, if you're acting like that, if you're, you are if you are. Like, I don't care what your policy is. It's words on paper that a bunch of people wrote down, and you put them in the shredder, and somebody writes a new policy tomorrow. I wasn't talking about election policy. I was talking about what the government's actually done. Yeah, yeah and so am I. Yeah. It could, we get a new government in power, and there's a whole new set of policies. I'd, I'd like to remind folks that there are some some policy issues that need to be addressed in a huge hurry. The climate is a ticking time bomb. It is not going away. We we have issues when it comes to poverty, when affordable housing. We've, we've already talked about these things. We 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 see a situation. Are you voting for Brock Grills? Or, I mean, sorry. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, we'll we'll talk about the Greens in a second because I think I think Andrew's a great guy, uh, but. Uh, so we, we've got the, we've got these situations where we need a progressive government to come in and and act and and people are are having I've had several people uh, come back at me today and say okay so you know if we're too hard on Trudeau we're 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 getting ourselves into a sheer government and then we have the climate crisis is is erupting nothing's going to happen for the next four years uh, you know there there are hugely problematic things and people are having this difficult time balancing well i've got this you know this moral issue with uh with what happened with trudeau but at the same time we need those policies and 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 they're looking at this and weighing it and going what what do we do this is a this is a, a very much a moral conundrum well it's just slim pickings all around this election it's uh, kind of the bottom line i i tweeted at least the ndp is boring and and i gotta tell you at right now 
boring looks pretty attractive. Yeah. We're winning the sign war in the county in the north, <laughs> by the way. <laughs> <laughs> Not to get us off this particular elephant, but before all this broke, earlier in the week, I was going to respond to, again, as I have, I think, in every panel since we started talking about this election, the triviality of what's passing for political discourse and dialogue. For example, there was all sorts of frothing at the mouth and distress about Trudeau uh, giving a, a, a sort of friendly hug to Bianca uh, Andrescu. Now, uh, as a uh, an older male, I do not give out hugs to women who are 19 and 20. Uh, my daughters are just past that age. Lots of, you know, they have friends. I don't make that overture. Trudeau did. The photo went viral of, you know, Bianca smiling, Trudeau hugging. And yeah, it was a it was around the, it was arm it was a side to side hug as opposed to it's called a side hug, Bill. Side hug, thank you. <laughs> but are we really going to talk about this? Well, it was, yeah, just it, be it, clear. That's the point. I know, and that, that's the point. It's, it was it was her photo that she published. Like it wasn't yeah, it yeah. wasn't some snap that someone got. It was actually she put it on her social media. Yeah. And Linda from, you know, one of our well-paid senators with absolutely no qualifications. Abolish the Senate. Had decided. <laughs> yes, I agree. Had decided to take this up in this kind of Orwellian thing. We're seeing it with the racism argument right. now. You know, right. this this fake feminist thing. Right. Where yeah. there are people who really should stand down and not talk about it. There are people who really could talk about this. Right. But this shouldn't be Linda from. <laughs> All right. Any from for that matter. Yeah. Yes. Barbara. Rest in peace. So going forward, this what we're hearing, what leaders are talking about. Where's the where's the win? I mean, I, I, I agree with the sentence. Maybe no, uh, it's not an end goal. It's it's all misinformation. Yeah. It's smoke and mirrors. It's it's a it's a deception. That's right. that's all. That's modern politics. Yeah. Right. Right. And it's sad. Uh, and will we? The NDP has the, some of the best policies I've ever seen, and we you know, haven't heard. I'm a, bit, I'm a bit, I'm a bit biased. We talked a little <laughs> bit about about Denticare. Yeah, but yeah. elections aren't fought on policy anymore, right? Okay, but yeah. realize the NDP, The reason the NDP policy. And you know I'm a past supporter of the NDP. The reason the NDP policy isn't getting a lot of oxygen is because their most prominent leader spent the last three years grandstanding at cheap shots at Trudeau. They ganged up with the, the, the conservatives. Their most eloquent and accomplished people like Nathan Cullen, Charlie Angus, Nikki Ashton spent their time aping conservative talking points. And they did that into their relevance. They have a great program. They have a great leader. They did this to themselves. I think we uh, can all just wait for the 
election of Sven Robinson. And uh, right. that's I'm right. I'm that's who I'm sending cash to. Um, right. I'm sending money to candidates across Canada. Right. Um, because we're polling well enough that we can still hold 40 seats. Now, is anyone following uh, the progress of uh, Jody Wilson-Raybould and... Uh, she just had a big Philpott. rally with uh, Jane Philpott about Jane 12 hours ago. Right. Right now, the lot, most recent polls are it's, it's, it's uh, too close to call between her and the Liberal candidate right now. Really? Okay. Good Philpott to know. Philpott's dead in the water. Yeah. So is is there some sunshine there, some hope in that we're actually beginning to take baby steps away from the 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 handcuffs of, of the political party system? Well, I think the Green Party already did that. Right. You know, they don't stand for anything. <laughs> <laughs> right. Gloom. <laughs> hey, you're not. If you're not going to whip votes, why why be why bother being a political party? Right. You don't yep. stand for anything. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And I, and they were surging so well in the polls. And then... Yeah. There's a green... Just, Bill, to yeah. come back to your talk about, like, are we even going to talk about this? Is this even an issue? I've mentioned in the fast past that I'm a huge fan of U.S. politics. And right. I think all of this nonsense, it's got to be a trickle-down effect from the states. Right. All that, like, kind of tabloid-type media... And whatever's going to get a rise out of people for the next two hours. Right. Because this doesn't seem very Canadian to me. 1984. Uh, I, I look at our, our behavior on social media. Um, I, I, I keep on calling this uh, the, golden age, the golden age of anger. Um, and, <laughs> this, um, and, and I'm not entirely sure at this point, and I don't think anyone is sure in this chicken and egg situation, whether we are... Whether we are producing the leaders that we deserve through our frothy anger or whether the frothy anger is also being egged on by these very angry politicians and populist politicians that are, that are being, um, elected. And this is not a, this is not an American issue. Uh, this is a global issue where, uh, where nationalism, where the far right, where populism is, is gaining a foothold in virtually every part of western society so yes donald trump we we can we can point at him as the shining beacon of of populism of fake news of of you name it but we we look at canada and you know we elected uh rob ford we elected doug ford we have elect renata ford yeah (laughs) and and you know we we, we've definitely got our own issues I, i think um I think us being too smug and saying we're Canadian is a huge mistake. Yeah, and you're right. It is global. I mean, look at look at the Brexit you know, yeah. debacle in, in, in England and other... I mean, it's happening in it's Italy. It's, it, it, this is happening everywhere. And what's happening is it's not just a symptom of like, okay, something's gone wrong with our politics. We are dealing with massive technological changes in how we interact as society. We are still feeling the effects of the World Wide Web and the way that it completely changes the exchange we have as fellow human beings. We are reeling from it right now. And unfortunately, every time in human in history where we go through rapid technological changes it does two things it causes huge social instability and those who are craven and, merc- and, and, and mercenary enough to try to seize power often do and that's exactly what we're seeing i don't want to turn this into much too much about the canadian election but there is i, I, I want to push back in the sense there is no doubt that a lot of broad policies the conservatives and the liberals are the same and i agree with that however i think we are naive if we don't recognize the fact that far-right 
white supremacist nationalist politics are gaining currency, gaining momentum in all Western democracies. And that is my big concern about a conservative government right now. Uh, let's look at the local scene. Uh, what's been going on here in Peterborough. Now, there was a bit of kerfuffle outside Mike Skinner's office yesterday. What happened? Does anyone have the load? I was not there, although I, I, I've spoken to someone. Tim someone. To the ba- to the I, I wasn't there either. I just read the reports that there was a, a climate march through town. They stopped at all the candidates' office. They spoke to Andrew McDougall. From the Green Party, yeah. Um, the the end. Uh, Candace Shaw wasn't there at the NDP office. Mary Monsef met them on the sidewalk and spoke to them. They walked a few doors over, yeah, to Mike Skinner's office. They wouldn't let them in. They were sort of protesting outside, and one of the protesters put his foot in the door, so the door would stay open. They could hear them, and the bouncer at the at the <laughs> Mike Skinner's door pushed him onto the sidewalk, injured his wrist. Um, and Mike Skinner's response was, I didn't really see what happened. I heard there was some violence on both sides. It was a little Trumpy in his response. I think it's, uh, we should give a small shout out to our friends over at the theater on King who had ice packs, uh, available right. for, uh, the fellow that was injured and what a, what a horrible day. Yeah. Yeah. I think what it is just quickly, and I'll hand it over to Donald, is that, you know, first of all, Mike Skinner is one of the luckiest politicians in Canada right now, had the the brown face, black face, whatever debacle of, of Trudeau not blowing up, there's a good chance that video or the would have gone viral. Like, that would have been the latest thing to get outraged about in Canadian politics was this conservative candidate in Peterborough who roughed up a, a climate protester. His staff. His, or, his story. His, staff, volunteers. Yes, his, 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 his volunteers. One of his key campaign people. He's in all the promotional pictures. Yeah. Oh. Um, I, 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 uh, I, I also think this does say something about how important climate issues are to the conservatives, that their reaction would be violence when someone confronts them with it. Absolutely. And that's, and that's where I was going to go. This, uh, it, it, it's easier to to shove someone, push someone, slam a door on someone uh, than it is to answer questions about the most pressing issue on the planet. And and uh, Mike Skinner, he he's an old bar owner. He knows he knows how to hire bouncers. All right, other local issues. Now Brock Grills, I think the day before yesterday, made the announcement that he's endorsing Mike Skinner. And uh, again, there was an explosion of commentary on Facebook and Twitter. What do we make of that? I was saying before we started that I wasn't quite sure why people were so shocked when Brock made that announcement. Mm -hmm. It's no secret that they're friends. It's no secret that Mike backed Brock in the municipal election. And, you know, I guess that's one of the great things about living in a democracy. You can back whoever you want. Brock just came forward and made it public. Any one of us could speak up and say, hey, I'm voting for so-and-so and invite the same reaction back. I I would like to think that we are all educated enough. I'm not going to vote for somebody just because Brock Grills is voting for them. (laughs) I mean, he's a nice guy and all, but I'll come come to my own conclusion. Thank you. Please and thank you. Yeah. I, I think it's more of a liability than anything else. Uh, here's a guy that's that's uh, you know um, courted the NDP, uh, was not was rejected, re- was, rejected was, <laughs> uh, was the candidate for the Greens. I mean, the guy's collecting hats, but but he, he's not doing so in a, in a meaningful way. I, I don't make a whole lot of this. I, I think this is more of a liability for Mike Skinner than anything else. When you have someone who is an, as unpredictable and who. Uh, it seems to be more self-serving than anything else backing you. It, it doesn't look good. It's also it's also great for the Greens. 
I, I, I would argue that it's not great for the Greens. Um, you know, when when Brock uh, uh, resigned as candidate for the Green Party here in Peterborough, he decided to set out and start a series of interviews uh, of all the different candidates in the election as a card-carrying Green Party member. That's not a good look if you're sending right. someone from your camp to get takes on what's going on where green party war room or sorry zen room is uh is telling people to go go and debate climate you'll always win where that's actually not the case i think he was i think he was rogue at that but uh, he was doing it for them whether he's going to admit it or not i think he was doing it for him but uh, the reason why I say it's good for the Greens is uh, he, Brock has proven himself a loose cannon in this. Um, so, I mean, the people aren't going to take him overly seriously after this. The reason why I think it's good for the Greens is because you have someone like Andrew McGregor, who is, uh, that's his name, uh, is, is actually a really fine gentleman who, who cares a lot about his community and cares a lot about the planet, which is a, a rarity in, in politics when someone's in it because they care. Uh, and and if, if the Greens are to rescue their reputation locally it's got to be with someone who's acting with integrity and ethics and and that's what the the kind of person andrew is jenny's absolutely right you know you can endorse whomever you want and and brock is free to to do that and and i don't know brock very well sean you introduced me to brock Um, (laughs) uh, but he did strike me as an intelligent and 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 very passionate about local issues i remember seeing him out doing uh, canvases for the green party several months ago you know stopped the car waved hello wished him best best of luck you know and Um, he he ran for uh, municipal. And he ran for municipal. And, and I've got to say, so, yeah, no. Yeah, and yeah. so these are all these are all positive things. So what he wants to do is his own call. There's no judgment on that. From a political standpoint, from a strategic standpoint, he probably just put a match to his political career, because you know there's a certain rule in politics. You can only lose so many times. This is a different level of like popping back from party to party to party. And I wish we had less party identification. I, w- I wish we had more independence in politics. But the reality is, what party would nominate him again? Right at this point, right? Except maybe the Conservatives. Now, the NDP, of course, Canada Shaw running locally. I was actually pleased to see that Dave Tuff is now running in Hastings. Yes. Does anyone have news of that? So Mallory McDonald, another candidate for nomination for the for Peterborough Kawartha, is also the candidate for Northumberland Peterborough South. I didn't know that. So, um, you know, Peterborough Kawartha within the NDP in eastern Ontario is really seen as a, a leader in, in, in people. Oh. It is, and it's also every party needs to fill every seat or every every contest. And so... Uh, if you if your party is not very strong in a particular riding, you usually get you know party faithful people who run for candidates, party workers to run for it. Every once in a while, they get elected, like right. the 1990 uh, Bob Ray government, the 2011 Jack Layton Jack Layton Orange Wave. Back Orange Wave, um, yeah. I um, when I used to work for the NDP, one thing I did in uh, the year 2000 was my friend and I had to go get candidates nominated at the last minute. In Brampton, which at that time was not an NDP hotbed. Right. And we actually stood in front of a mall right. with, a, with, a, with a clipboard and stopped people as they were walking to the mall to ask them if they'd signed to and say, listen, you're not endorsing the NDP candidate. You're not voting for the NDP. Would you please? We need 100 signatures. And we did it that. One of those candidates that we signed up that day would later get elected in the 2011 wave as she worked for the party in, in, in Cecil Street in Toronto. And that happens. You know, you, you end up getting elected. So... Uh, great. Let's put Dave in, in the House of Parliament. You sure use him there. I think. I think also the the closeness of the three ridings in question: uh, Lennox, Hastings, Addington, Peterborough, Kawartha, and Northumberland, Peterborough South. 
it's the same area. You know, Northumberland, Peterborough South starts the other end of Lansdowne Street. Right. And Peterborough Kawartha, being one of the bigger ridings in this area, goes all the way up to Apsley. And when you get to the other end of Apsley, now you're into Lennox Hastings Addington. Like yep. these are – that's not – we're not parachuting someone in from Peterborough down to – BC interior, it, right. it makes sense, and and it's it's not necessarily about just names on balance. It's about finding great campaigners, and I think that we've got a good team. Right now, I must ask: uh, Has anyone caught wind or sight of in the horizon uh, the People's Party of Canada uh, campaign locally and Alex Murphy? I have I see lots of posts, lots of posts from. Uh, Where? Yes. From from Max, but nothing locally. Jenny, you have the mic. No, I no, I, I I didn't like you know reel in horror or anything like that. I was just going to say like I wouldn't know him from a bar of soap. Like I you know okay. I, I would hope I, maybe he's a real nice guy. I don't know. I certainly don't agree with his politics, and I would hope that I don't live in a city that would welcome his politics now the the local debate commission has decided not to allow him on stage and i did not know that and the rationale was it was that they don't have a member who was elected as a ppc member but max Max is going to the big he was he was elected conservative but that's the rationale by the debate commission here but there's been a bit of controversy around that because they did it and peterborough kortha he's not been invited where green party members were invited to the debates in the past Right. So there's a debate. Well, I don't know if it's a debate commission, but I think the Chamber of Commerce. It, okay. Stu Harrison. That's not the debate commission. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's the wrong. The Chamber of yeah, Commerce. Yeah, sorry. I, that's the wrong thing. There is the wrong term. But whoever whoever organizes the debate locally. He'll be in Buckhorn. He'll be in Lakefield. Like the, yeah. at the debates out in the county, it's all hands on deck. Yeah. Except maybe it's stop climate change party. Yeah. <laughs> right, well, right. He's not going to be in the Peterborough debate. No, I, I right. did see that. Yeah. yeah. Also, you're you're forgetting that there's probably going to be 23 all candidates meetings in this riding. There's always too many. I did, I think, 25. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> I didn't campaign. I was doing debates. Mm-hmm. <laughs> there's a problem. It's a lot easier in the municipal world there. Yeah. All right. So for local campaigns, we're we're almost winding down here. What should each of the parties be doing? Let's start at the top. Let's start with the Liberals. What should they be doing locally? Uh, not saying much. Not saying much. I would hang back if I was if I was Lauren Hunter right now. I would be stay home for a little bit. Okay. Uh, what about uh, Michael Skinner and his Conservative team? What should they be doing? Hiring better staff at their campaign <laughs> offices, okay. apparently. Okay. Hope, hope he's got a lawyer on exactly. retainer. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, what about Candace Shaw and the NDP? Knocking on doors. Mm-hmm. That's it. Yeah. You know, just, if, just, if we're go- if the, I think the trend is like, you know, Donald's talking about a very boring NDP campaign, then really all that can be done is knock on doors. Yeah. Right. Just to go back to the sure. liberals, to what Sean was saying about Miriam. Stop campaigning based on gender. I think it's old. I think it's a cheap form of pandering. It doesn't matter. I want the best person for the Mm. job. You know, I'm not going to vote for you because you're a woman, but I'm not going to not vote for you because you're a woman. We get it. It's old. Move along from that. I think she's gotten all the mileage that she can get out of the fact that she's a woman. I find it a bit tiresome, personally. Yeah. Yeah, the only... Mind the you, only, she, she is the minister. I was going to say she is the minister for the status Not of women, anymore. so because of the part because it's been dissolved. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. 
But I'm saying that's the experience she has to run on. That's no, all I'm but, saying. But you know what? Like walking around with T-shirts that say girl power on them, like we're past that. Like it's old. We're all done with that. Like as a woman, I find it marginally offensive. Okay. I, I, I think that if we are if we are pushing young people to vote and we want young people to come out and vote, then empowerment is a massive, massive tool. And I think it's very wise to have young women rally around your candidate and say, I really want to vote for her. I have a 20-year-old daughter. Mm-hmm. She knows she's female, yeah. and she knows who she's going to vote for, and it has absolutely nothing to do with gender. Great. Last words. We're about done. Okay. Get out there. Knock vote. on doors. doors. Make sure you register to vote. I don't care who you vote for. Go and vote. Go knock on doors for some random candidate. Do it. Yeah, and you can do it at the municipal returning or the local returning office on Monaghan. And stay off Twitter. And stay off Twitter. <laughs> or join us on Twitter. Follow <laughs> that too. Follow and on all. And on that note, we will wind up. Well, we'll sign off here. Uh, this has been. Our 16th program of uh, 29th season, we have a website, uh, Pints. If you just Google Pints and Politics Peterborough, you'll get to it. <laughs> That's the easiest way. We post on Twitter at Bill Temp and on our Facebook page, Pints and Pints Ampersand Politics Podcast. Join us here in two weeks, 92.7 on your dial, and we'll be, we'll, we will have another political panel. Any feedback, please, please let me know, BillTempleman at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. On Thursday, October 3rd, our politics panel will return to take a fresh look at the election. And who knows what will happen by then. See you then. This is Bill Templeman.